during the holidays, uh, I just want to share this with you. I was just standing in my kitchen. I was making a, a, a dessert or a dessert pudding, whatever you want to uh, call it. And I was baking away and because uh, we had some friends that were coming over. I had music playing, but it wasn't like really loud. And I, and I, and I, I was singing a bit along, but just suddenly... I felt the presence of the Lord drawing into my kitchen. I felt it rolling in like a cloud. Goosebumps broke out right from the very top of my head, and it rushed down all across my body to the tips of my toes. And I felt the presence of the Lord in that kitchen. And I knew, man, I'm going to stop what I'm doing. God is here. I stopped the baking, I turned up the music, and I started praise and worshiping God. And as I started worshiping, I started to cry and cry and cry uncontrollably. How many of you know that when you get touched by God, the tears start flowing? It's like he opens up the doors to every, the, the door to every part of your heart that's been cold, that's been hard, that you shut down, that you closed. When the Holy Spirit comes and he touches you, he opens that part of you and he asks your permission to enter in. And he asks your permission to fix things up, right? And he asks your permission to say, hey, can I come and work in this area of your life? I see so much potential. I see so much healing that I can do here that can be performed in your life. Are you up for it? Will you allow me, right? So when, Lord, when, when his presence rolled into my kitchen, there was a point there where I had to make a decision to allow him in or not. God is good, and he will never impose on your decision, on your free will. I made the choice when I stopped what I was doing. I acknowledged God's presence. I turned up the music, and I started worshiping him. And his presence intensified in my kitchen. Now, what I didn't know, my little boy Liam was playing in the room, a couple of rooms down. He's only seven years old, for those of you who don't know. At the same time, while God's presence was in my kitchen so heavy, God touched him as well. I didn't know that at that time. I only found out later when he came to me and he said, Dad, I just felt the touch of God. I felt him touch me on my head. I said, yeah? He said, what happened? He said, well, I got this idea to build this church out of Lego and to build people worshiping him. And he built this whole Lego set and Lego stage of people worshiping God. He built the stage, the speakers, he built the people, and he built all of that. You see what happens when you allow God into the space that he's asking you to enter in, change comes about. But you need to choose it, and you need to allow God and say, God, I'm here for you. I want this. I invite you into this space. And when you, as the father or the mother, it's going to flow down to your kids. Isn't that cool? And that happened a second time. A week or two after that, I was again in my kitchen. I don't know what, I couldn't remember what I was doing. I was making coffee, and I felt the gentle presence of the Lord flow into my kitchen. And it was so awesome. I just put spoon down, and I said, welcome, Lord. You are so welcome in this house. 
I just wanted to share that with you this morning. I'm gonna, we're going to read out of 1 Kings chapter 19 this morning if you want to follow along. So if you have your Bible here, I hope that you do. <laughs> A page to 1 Kings chapter 19. If you don't have your Bible here, you can listen to, to I'm going to be reading this chapter and we're going to be delving into it. We'll, we'll only go from verse 1 up until verse 18. So bear with me as we go through this. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. All right, so let's just give you a bit of history here, a bit of backstory to this. So King Ahab came back to his, uh, his kingdom at Jezreel, and he was telling Jezebel, his wife, right, she was queen, all that uh, um, Elijah had done. So what is it that Elijah has done? Just in chapter 18, we read that Elijah challenged Israel on their, on their uh, um, false god that they were serv um, servicing, you know, or that they were um, worshiping, Baal. And they were saying, you cannot follow Baal and God. There's only one here. You need to choose, right? So the prophets of Baal, 450 of them came and they built their altar and they danced around the altar. They did their Baal worship and they prayed to Baal to come down and set their altar that they've built on fire. Nonetheless, it did not happen. They prayed all day through noon to evening. Nothing happened. Elijah mocked them eventually and saying, he's, maybe he's busy. Maybe he's sleeping. Come on, scream louder. Baal did not come down. Then Elijah took his altar. He built his altar to God. He put, uh, cut the meat into pieces. He took 12 rocks representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Israel, that's what he built underneath. And he poured water on that altar, on the wood. He wet it. Three times, the Bible said, they pour four buckets of water on that altar. Then he prayed to the God of Israel, and he came down with fire. The Bible says that it, the, the fire was so intense that it licked the water up in the trenches as well. So this is everything that happened. Then they seized the prophets of Baal, 450 of them, the Israelites, and they slaughtered all of them. They chose and said, the Lord God is God, and we're following him. No more Baal. Right, so this, all of this just happened. King Ahab is rushing back to his palace to tell his wife Jezebel, and she's the one that introduced Baal worship, all that Elijah has done. So we carry on with that. Now you know. So Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had slain all the prophets of Baal with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I make not your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. So she was sending him a death threat. Then he was afraid, and he arose and went for his life. He came to Beersheba of Judah, over 80 miles out of Jezebel's realm. That's where that was, so it was just outside of the realm. And he left his servant there. But he himself went a day, a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a lone broom, or juniper tree, and asked that he might die. He said, it is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. As he lay asleep under the broom or juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. He looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a bottle of water at his head. And he ate, and he drank, and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came a second time, and touched him, and said, Arise, and eat, 
for the journey is too great for you. So he arose, he ate, and he drank, and, and, he, and he went in that strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. There he came to a cave, and he lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Whenever God asks a question in the Bible, you pay attention, because there's, there's an important thing here. When God's asking a question, he's asking you to think, and he's asking Elijah to think, what are you doing here in this cave at this very spot, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the Israelites has forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars and, and killed all your prophets with the sword. And I, I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand, and God said, when he said, he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains and broke it in pieces, the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. A still, small voice. When Elijah heard this voice, he wrapped his face in his mantle, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because of the Israelites have forsaken your covenant. They have thrown down your altars and... <clears throat> And have slain your prophets with the sword. And I, I, only I am left. And they seek my life to destroy it. And the Lord God said to him, Go, return your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, to be king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shepet, to be prophet in your place. And him who escaped from the sword of Hazel... Um, Jehu will slay, and him who escaped from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall slay. Yet I will leave myself 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that have not kissed him. I know that's a long bit of story there, but it's so exciting, the story. So Elijah uh, is, is, is depressed, we see him lying under a juniper tree and then after the juniper tree into a cave asking God to take his life. He's negative, he's depressed, he's had enough. He's in this mindset that he's on his own. He's the only one left. I am here alone, Lord. I'm the only one left. All your prophets of, uh, uh, of God has been slain. It's only I left, Lord, and I justify my depression <laughs> with the Lord, and I've got all these excuses. And Elijah uh, wasn't actually speaking the truth because God told him at the end of uh, chapter 19, he said, 7,000 people in Israel are reserved for myself that has not bent the knee to Baal and has not kissed him. 
And if we go a bit back into chapter 18, and earlier on in chapter, chapter 18, we, we read that uh, um, Obadiah has hid over 100 prophets of the Lord in caves. So it's not true. He's not alone. He's not the only prophet left. He's not the only one left in service of God. None of that is true, but this is what he believed, right? And this is where he was at emotionally. And he was hiding in this cave, and he was laying under the juniper tree. I love that juniper tree. It's so symbolic. The sap from a juniper tree is rot resistant. Did you know that? A juniper tree or juniper bush grows here in New Zealand, makes blueberries. It's not native, but it does grow here. And the sap of this tree is rot resistant. Interesting. This, this, this tree, when it grows into a tree, is different varieties of it. When it grows into a tree, it's also able to self-prune. So it can prune its own branches in order to ensure its own survival. They also make medicine of this juniper tree. It's a great antiseptic. And this is the tree that Elijah chose to go and lay under in his emotional state that he's in. Hey? And, and, and the symbolism is so great because God is saying, Elijah, if you're able to self-prune the thoughts right out of your head, that you are suffering from, that's, 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 that's enslaving you to your depression and your loneliness, that's none of it's true. But if you could prune out those thoughts, like this juniper tree, you could ensure your own survival. And like I did my connect group on Friday night, I want to challenge each and every person here this morning, what is going on in your mind? What thoughts are dominating your thinking on most days? What voices in your head is driving you? And in what direction are they driving you? Elijah was overcame by fear when he got this death threat from Jezebel. So he had this voices of, you're all alone in his head. You're the only one left that's wanting to do the right thing. There's no one else fighting for righteousness and justice, Elijah. That's what he had in his head. What voices is it that you have in your head? What is it that you entertain day to day? Where are these voices pushing you? Are they pushing you further away from God or are they pushing you towards God? I believe that all of these voices and thoughts that we have in our head, we are able to prune them out. If they don't belong there, we can choose not to think like that not to allow those thoughts into our mind because they're not pushing us closer to where we're supposed to be. They are taking us away. In spite, these thoughts that Elijah allowed and the fear that Elijah allowed into his heart pushed him into the wilderness. And eventually he ended up in a cave, hiding in the cave, still wanting to die, telling God that he was all alone, which was none of it was the truth. And God asks the question, what doest thou here, Elijah? This morning, I want to ask you that question. What are you doing here at this stage in your life where you find yourself today and this morning? What is it that you are doing here? When you say, well, 
I am here purpose-driven for the Lord. I know exactly where I'm going. I am so excited about what God is going to do this year. I am very glad for you. That's awesome. That's where you're supposed to be because later on in the passage, we see that's exactly what God does to Elijah. After he's fed him and gave him nourishment for his journey, he puts him back where he came from and said, go now here, back where you came from. And he puts him back to work. So this morning, what are you doing here? Pose that question to yourself this morning. What is happening in my life? Where am I at? Can I ask you this morning to do a quick evaluation and say, where do I find myself? What can change in my life? What is it that I desire to change? Maybe like Elijah, you were the one that lied down under the Jupiter tree recently and said, oh Lord, enough now. Can you only take my life? Maybe you're there. Maybe you're hiding in that cave like Elijah, not wanting to come out. And when the good news comes to you, like today, and challenge you to get out of your cave, you say, oh no, Lord, I have many excuses to be here. When we go and look at those, many of those probably will not, you will not find a foundation of truth under those. But we have many excuses and many reasons why we're not doing what God expects us to do. I'm challenging you that when you step into the realm to do what God has for you, freedom lies in it. When Elijah came out of his cave, right, and started doing, getting back to work, doing what God told him to do, freedom was in it for him. He anointed a new king in Israel. He went and he anointed another prophet in his place. Freedom, there was growth. So you're hiding in the cave with all your excuses and your justifications of why you are there. I want to challenge you that there's a lot of freedom for you when you come out of it. Amen? So come out of your cave this morning. Say, God, I'm going to leave my excuses behind because there's no good excuse. I'm going to choose to serve you. And I'm going to choose to pursue what it is that you have for me. I'm going to leave this depression, this anxiety that's weighing me down, I'm going to leave it behind. Because God wants that freedom for you. Those things holding you down, binding you down, it only happens when you're in the cave, when you're in the darkness, when you crawl. They only push you deeper into that cave. That's where they hold you down. That's where the words and the prayers of, oh, can I not only die, comes from doesn't happen out in the light. Come out into the light is the call of the Lord this morning. What doest thou here, Elijah? That's the question that I pose to you this morning, church. Evaluate with the Holy Spirit this morning your life as he speaks to you. And he's showing you things. He's saying, come on, I can free you of this anxiety. Come on, I can free you of this depression. Come on, I can free you. I can come in and I can come and make a change, but I need you to choose. God will not overstep on your freedom of will and choice. Never. If you don't choose for it, he'll not touch it. He is the greatest gentleman that I've ever known in my life. I've seen him Turn situations right around 
And I've seen that his ability that he has to change people's lives if they allow it. I've seen people choose against it and God does not touch it. It's up to you. You have to say, God, I'm willing. You have to put yourself into that path and say, Lord, like Elijah, come out of the cave. Come on, step out of the cave saying, I'm not gonna choose any more of this laying down business. I'm coming out. I'm putting myself out there. I'm getting, I'm getting into a connect group. I'm getting into church. I'm getting closer to God to get the answers to get myself free. There's no lack of ability on God's part here. <laughs> it's lack of action and ours. God is good, right? Yeah, One last thing before, before I, uh, I, I, I close it off is I, w- I want you to look at when Elijah was asleep under the juniper tree, asking God to take his life. God wasn't judging. So if you feel this morning, man, well, I feel exposed. I feel like, uh, you know, a bit of condemnation here in my life. No, 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 no. Verse 6. Oh, verse 5, as he laid asleep under the broom of a Jupiter tree, behold, an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. He looked and behold, there was a cake baked on coals and a bottle of water at his head. When you are there in your darkest time. When you are down there under the juniper tree, when you are asking God that he might only take your life because you are fed up and had enough of this, this is when Jesus comes down and he makes so ready some coals and he bakes you a cake under your juniper tree where you've chosen to reside and he brings you a bottle of water and he looks after you. He does not judge. He does not condemn He comes and he feeds you and he brings you sustenance and he says, wake up my child and eat. He doesn't judge. He doesn't condemn. In spite, he feeds you in your sorry state. And he says, come on, we're gonna get through this. We're gonna get through this together. And for some of you, this is exactly what is happening this morning. It is the touch of the Lord on your head this morning saying, come on, my child, wake up and eat. Take your strength because the journey ahead is still long, but I'll be there with you. And I am the God of Israel that will open the path for you. There's still many things that I want you to do that I want you to accomplish, but you need to choose me. You need to choose for it. You need to say, yes, Lord, glory, hallelujah, I'm going to do it, Lord, even though it might be tough. Amen, church. God wasn't concealing the fact that Elijah still had a tough road ahead of him. There's no moonshine and roses that God promises throughout the word. We read here that the angel of the Lord says to him, it's a long journey ahead. It's going to be tough, bro. You need to eat because you're going to need it. Isn't that awesome? So take this food this morning. Take this hand that God is giving you this morning. Accept and choose the touch on your head this morning. And say, God, I take this sustenance. I take this bread from you this morning. I choose it, Lord. I take this bread of life. Dig into this word. There's so much, man. There's so much in it. 
I, I hear people all the time say there's no manual to life or there's no manual to raising kids. <coughs> I'm holding one. Does it say that it's going to be tough? Yes, it does. It does say so. Jesus went through the cru crucifixion and he knew everything that was going to happen to him. Luckily for us, we don't know. That's concealed from us. So the tough times when we get to them, we're just going to go through them. And at least we don't know that they're still to come. Do you know how bad that must be if you know the future? And you know, February the 20th, woo, a terrible thing is going to start. <sighs> hey, thank God we don't know. And He's there with us. Whenever we need that sustenance, He comes and He touches. He comes in just in time, on time, every time, isn't He? And He touches us and He speaks to our spirits and He speaks to our minds. But you see, we have to internalize this message. We have to apply it. I had uh, heard the story of Reinhard Bonker that was talking to this atheist on TV in Germany. And the atheist said, do you believe that the blood of Jesus still works? Does it still have power? Because I don't see many people clean. And Reynard said to him, you know what? The blood of Jesus is like soap. And if the soap is lying there, will you get clean? No. You have to pick it up and you have to wet it and you have to apply it. And like such, the Word of God needs to be applied. And this message this morning needs to be applied. You might be feeling inspired now. You might be feeling like, yeah, well, I have some wind in my sail. I can feel some wind. Yes, I'm inspired to get up and move because that is my gift, right? My gifting is to inspire people to move like an activist, right? When I preach, my desire and prayer is also that I'll get you to move from where you are now. I... God is never stagnant, and like that, I don't like it when people become stagnant. So whenever I preach and I bring the word, I want you to move. Whether it be in mind, whether it be in heart, you have to move. The fact that you are stagnant, still staying where you are, is the reason why you are under the juniper tree. Right? So I want you to move this morning. But when you move, move with the word of God. Don't leave it behind. Because you're going to lose wind quickly. Move with the Word of God. Connect yourself with like-minded people. Connect yourself with people in Christ. Come to church so that you can hear a message like this when you need it, and it will come to you in the right time, in the right season. Amen? Yeah. Isolation is the devil's biggest plan. He loves playing the card of isolation. He will get you out alone. Whenever he can, he's going to isolate you. Because if he can isolate you, there's no positive voices coming into your head. It's all negative. It's all complaints. It's all nothing and no one is good enough. It's all pulling you down. You have to put yourself in a space where that does not happen. Is that all right, church? Amen. God was here this morning. He is here this morning. So we're going to end off with a last song. So if the band can come and get themselves ready for that last song. And I'm going to pray for us. And during this song, I want you to take the opportunity. It's you alone here 
with a very mighty and powerful God. Speak to Him this morning. Surrender your thoughts to Him. Talk to Him about where you are at life, what's going on in your life. Ask Him to come and touch it. Ask Him to come and change it because He can, but He needs your permission. Invite Him in. And if you need some prayer, you can come on forward and I'd love to pray with you. But hey man, this is between you and God. Amen, is that all right? Can we do that? All right, church, let's stand.